now. This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio, NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. First edition news with... Mark Van Aken, back for the first time in four weeks. He's in full health. We're looking forward to chatting to the big man in a minute. But in a week where the game of football said farewell to Les Murray, an icon of the sport in this country and an ambassador for the Australian game around the world. As the man born Laszlo Urge would have said, the world game moves on. So as well as reflecting on the beautiful farewell to Les on Monday, we'll of course be covering everything that's been going on on and off the pitch. And with the squad announced this week for the critical World Cup ties against Japan and Thailand in two weeks' time, Socceroo assistant coach Andy Ante Milicic joins us to look ahead to what will hopefully be the group who will take us to Russia 2018. Then when the FFA Cup set to hot up again with a round of 16 kicking off next week, we'll talk to Adelaide United's young star Ben Garuccio about his side's preparation for their blockbuster against the victory and, of course, their season ahead. And we'll wrap up the first hour, as we always do with our man Dean Hennessy, to talk through the entire fixture list. In the second hour, of course, we'll kick off with second edition news and a week out from the FIFA delegation's departure. We'll have a chat to Ray Gatt from The Australian on his thoughts about the week that it was and where it will end and if you've missed Ray's opinion so far stick around because knowing Gaddy he will not hold back and Dino is going to return to look at the international scene before we wrap it up with stoppage time Edge um, it was a beautiful farewell to Les Murray on Monday it was done extremely well at St Mary's Cathedral a state funeral well deserved it was very beautiful and what stood out to me was obviously Craig Foster's uh, oration was extremely Ex- extremely good and uh, Les's daughters uh, in mm-hmm. the uh, pre-prepared video clips and their tributes to their father were, were really beautiful mm. and um, we got a bit of an insight into the relationship between uh, Les's daughters and, and him And mm. but uh, really well done to everybody involved I thought it was a fitting send-off for such a, a person who had such a, a big part of all our footballing lives and uh, he mm. will be sadly missed but he's up in the sky with Johnny Warren and as we said with Craig mm. Foster a couple of weeks ago um, there's one thing you can be absolutely certain of there'll be Chuffing the heads off, having a smoke. <laughs> exactly. Marco, welcome back, mate. Good have you been boys. listening to the show in your absence? I have. have you been critiquing us? Um, critiquing? Uh, obviously, the show's no, not as good without you. my place, mate. That's fine. <laughs> you've, been, you've been excellent, Rob. You've been okay too, Michael. Thanks, Mark. No worries. <laughs> and Dean? Dean, of course. It goes without saying. He's a diesel engine, isn't he? He is. He just he keeps is. on going. That's right. And the family's well? Uh, sort of. <laughs> yeah, that's a leading question, <laughs> isn't within, it? Within, no, they're, not, they're not in the hospital. Anyway, we'll the take one. that. <laughs> good on you. Well, good to have you back, mate. I was up in Sydney on uh, Monday and talking to our great sponsors, Storage King, chatting to uh, Seb Petrino from Storage King. He's one of our very regular listeners. He doesn't miss an episode. And he said, mate, what's going on with Mark? When's he coming back? You know, we're missing him. And I'm I back, said, Seb. Don't you? <laughs> And Seb, he said that he'd design a, a photo for you. And, uh, <laughs> That's right. When, so is, when is my publicity shot getting done, mate? What's, what's going on? It may, um, where, do picture, where do our pictures go at the front? What's going on? Yeah, look, we've just um, commissioned Lord Snowden to, to come in and take the, the pictures because we want to get all your beautiful angles. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get that done, big fella. Good stuff. Now, Socceroos boss Ange Postacoglu says he's content with his familiar-looking squad of 30 for vital World Cup qualifiers against Thailand and Japan later this month and early next. The pool of players selected is eerily similar to that was taken to Russia for the Confederations Cup in June, with Matt Yerman's selection coming as the biggest shock. The Suwon Blue Wings defender has been called up for the first time, age 27.
Kevin Newman moved to the K League in January and has been rewarded for a consistent form with the local Giants. He's been doing well over there. Mm. Now, we'll talk to Ante Militic, uh, as mm. you touched on, uh, soccer assistant, a little bit later. Mm. But yeah. uh, initial thoughts on the squad? It's, it's all pretty ho-hum. And that, and uh, not saying it's a bad thing. Matthew Speranovic back in after a long, mm. uh, long line of outs. Mm. That's interesting. I wonder whether he'll make the final, uh, the final cut to go to Japan. I'm not sure about that. Um, but well, we'll uh, find out. Uh, I think it's Tuesday next week. We yeah, get to cut and obviously um, it's the, the the captain Milo Yedinak. Uh, we're all concerned about uh, his uh, preseason, which has been interrupted. Uh, I think he's uh, long odds to make it. Now, someone who we're not too worried about, Tom Rogic, produced another moment of magic as Celtic all but sealed their progress to the Champions League group stage with a crushing 5-0 home win over FC Astana. Rogic danced his way down the right side and finished off a brilliant solo move for the dink over the goalkeeper. Opening accounts for the evening, the goal was officially credited as an own goal with the final touch off a defender. But needless to say, Rogic, neither Rogic nor Celtic will care about that a great deal. He played about 63 minutes before being Withdrawn. He's in red-hot form. The question is, how do he and Aaron Moy get along in the Socceroos setup under Ange Postacoglu? And I say get along, as in in a football yeah, sense, yeah, not a knee, yeah, yeah. yeah, not a knee, fisticuff sense. Well, you know, I, I think um, looking at, at, at Aaron Moy's um, first round in uh, in the, the Premier League, the first um, uh, uh, contribution was was outstanding. I mean, he had two brilliant corners. Well, maybe they played against Angel. Germany, didn't they? Uh, in in Hand in glove. Yeah, the but, but, the, but the point there is that, that you're not going to have Rogic uh, taking corners and set pieces. So, you know, if he delivers the ball to, to the set piece the way that he did uh, for Huddersfield in, in that opening week, then, you know, that's a sort of uh, skill set that Rogic doesn't bring. So hopefully they'll they'll gel well. What will be interesting, to, and we'll obviously talk to Ante about this, is how the soccer is set up for... Because it's two games. There's obviously Thursday in uh, Tokyo uh, against Japan and then obviously the next Tuesday against Thailand. So um, some of the players might not be able to come up for both games. So it'll be interesting to see the approach they take against Japan, um, whether it's uh, all-out attack like uh, we have in the Confederations Cup or whether it's a little bit more circumspect uh, because it'll be uh, bombs away against Thailand at uh, the Melbourne Rectangular Stadium uh, it'll Amy be, Park, mate. It's called Amy Park. Amy Park, yeah. yeah. But it'll be absolutely serious. Uh, bombs away there. We'll be attacking with everything we've got, I'd imagine. So what's your uh, opinion on how Angel um, strategise against Japan, Mark? You know what? Let's wait to see what Ante says, mate. I, yeah. I, what's, mm. No point getting my opinion when we get it to one of the mm. assistant coaches and, of course, uh, mm. a decorated former player himself. Do you think himself. he's really going to give us I reckon, much? Oh, yeah, he'll give us a little bit. He'll give you more than me. Certainly, probably played at a higher level than myself. Um, but look, uh, interesting stuff. You're right, Michael. They do need to basically pick a team, not quite two teams, but a team and a half, which is always the way it's been done. A um, little bit of news later too. Um, the, the pressure is mounting in Japan on that team too, because although they do top the group at this stage, they're still under immense pressure, as are all the teams at this stage, except for the ones that are already out, like Thailand. Um, you know, to perform because there's a lot of knives out in Japan. So we'll get to that. A little later. In the meantime, Matilda's legend, Cheryl Salisbury, is set to be granted the Professional Footballers Australia's highest honour. Salisbury will receive the Alex Tobin Medal at the 2017 Players Awards in Newcastle on September 17. Interesting that they're in Newcastle. Uh, the 151-time Australia International, well, okay, will become the first woman to be represented in the PFA's most prestigious prize. Salisbury represented the Matildas for 16 years between 1994 and 2009. She's an absolute legend. And, of course, this award's gone to some of the, the biggest names in Australian football Mark history. Kaduka, and it's ne- Harry Kuehl. Harry Kuehl. Yeah. I want to say... Um, should have put a list down, really, shouldn't we? But anyway, but it's, it's, it's but been I the think absolute... this is brilliant. Mm. This is absolutely brilliant. Joe she, she's an icon of the women's game. Mm. Clearly uh, the best player that's ever played for 
the Matildas uh, and her longevity would suggest that. So I think it's well done. The PFA not only talking the talk about the development of women's mm. football, but walking the walk. And, and it I think seals the prestige of the women's game it in this does. country, doesn't it? It does. And uh, well done to Cheryl. She's a superstar. But I know she lives in Newcastle, but, you know, you could have... You know, anyway, good on them. It's something not happening in Sydney or Melbourne for once. That's uh, that's a, a win for the people, for the Novocastrians, as they like to be called. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, how's he going? Has called his five-match ban for pushing a referee exaggerated and ridiculous and claims he's being persecuted after failing to have the sanction overturned on appeal. Now, for those that don't know, during uh, last Sunday night's Spanish Super Cup 3-1 first league victory over Barca, in which he scored, Raul Ford, the Raul Ford reacted badly after being shown a second yellow for diving by match official. Now, this is, hear me out, Ricardo de Burgos Benotexia. Well done. Well done. Not even close. Uh, anyway, shoving the Spaniard in the back. Now, sorry... Cristiano, you're a superstar, you're a legend, you're worth hundreds of millions of dollars, but, mate, you can't push the ref. It's a pretty simple, pretty simple rule. I love the uh, action by the ref who gave... Oh, this is a bit of a visual for the people in the studio. I'm, I know that we uh, have a radio medium, but he did the old hand uh, motion to Cristiano to say, you dive, son, <laughs> which was great. And Cristiano, he didn't like that, obviously, being uh, told that he dived. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so a Spanish Football Federation committee has dismissed an appeal, meaning he will miss the La Liga games against Deportivo La Coruña, Valencia, Levante, Real Sociedad, <laughs> as well as a return clash against my boys, Barcelona. And how was his bloody celebration, too? He's trying to give it to Messi. He was. I don't know if you saw, too. Messi might have had a few words to him, and I'm not sure how good your Spanish is or reading lips, but um, it was pretty to the point, the uh, exchange. Anyway. Fair enough. Time for a few more, Rob? Yeah, absolutely. So. And, and by the way, the reason the, next one's a good the, the reason the Alex Tobin medal's being presented in Newcastle is because the Matildas are playing two days later, by the way. So, um, there we just, go. Uh, that, that just a little occurred celebration. Occurred to me. Thank you, Google. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, give us another one. Okay, Melbourne Victory have announced the signing of Argentine midfielder Matthias Sanchez on a one-year contract. The 29-year-old has spent much of his professional career playing locally in Argentina's top flight with spells in the US and Greece in between. Sanchez also represented Argentina 14 times at under-20 level. Coach Kevin Muscat hopes Sanchez's addition would help add to the squad depth for victory. Of course, they have the Asian Champions League this season as well to keep their eye on. One uh, one thing I think we should explore, we would love to get a, a representative of victory who's had a role in vetting the uh, and how they go about uh, actually understanding not only can this guy play, because that's obvious they need to do that, but what sort of character he is. Mm-hmm. Because they've made a couple of decisions of recent time, Melbourne victory, that haven't worked out so well with players coming into the team. Well, they've also been recycling a lot of players as well. So it's Correct. interesting to uh, bring someone from outside the tent. Now, 20... One of his mates with uh, no? his crosstown man, uh, Fernando, the other uh, the Argentinian. Who's that? Fernando, Fernando Brandon. Oh, Brown Brandon. Yeah, yeah one of, of his mates with him. Right. Hold the rest of it up your sleeve. Sure. Because we want to talk to Ante Milicic. He's standing by in the wings, waiting to talk to us and tell us everything that's going to happen. In Saitama, and then back in Melbourne, he's going to predict for us the Australian team will win both games and will be comfortable the following week and heading to Japan, to Russia, I should say, in the World Cup. Is that going to happen? We got mate? Yeah, eventually. All right, so stick around. Ask, we're talking ask to me Ante. in three weeks. Okay, we're talking to Ante next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. 
Douglas. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming on the World Wide Web, and of course our podcast on Box to Box NTS.com.au. Now, in two weeks' time, we will know how Australia has gone against Japan in Saitama, but that is two weeks away. Tonight, we're talking to the assistant coach of the Socceroos, Ante Milicic from Zagreb in Croatia. Ante, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, gentlemen, for having me. Not at all, Ante. So before we get into it, can you just give us a little background as to um, your uh, uh, move to uh, to Zagreb for the next period of time in, in a World Cup year? Yeah, so basically that's what we've done. Had discussions, obviously, with Ange and uh, FFA, and um, they were keen on having a, a member of the staff to uh, to be in Europe uh, closer to the to the players basically just to build relationships with uh, the clubs and and to be um you know in close contact with the players to watch them play and and train but also a, a range of other um options as well you know with um you know the Ollie Ruse as well helping um you know build relationships with clubs to gain release for players also um on top of that you know some players that are carrying dual nationality as well that are in Europe as well so that's another option as well and at the same time just to further my education I think the the beauty of being in Europe is um I'm really watching a lot more games um you know a lot more frequently and the main thing for for myself is to watch it at um you know nice times of the days as well you know so that yeah. really really helps out a lot so um it's it's good um and um you know being a world cup year we've done that in the past in previous campaigns so um you know it's it's, it's nice anyway well we're looking forward uh with great anticipation to the two matches uh on the 31st of august against uh, japan in tokyo um, and then obviously uh, back in Melbourne for Thailand. It is really uh, money team money time for the Socceroos and your and your World Cup campaign, aren't they, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, but um, you know, we we we're not now just saying oh because it's down to the um, to the last two games of of this you know particular group phase that um, it's the it's the money time. We we've um, had that approach since the very first game um, when we played in in Perth with with Iraq. Um, you know, we've put ourselves in a great position where everything's in our own hands. We, we're undefeated in um, in our group. We've we've come um, away from some very difficult away fixtures as well, with a lot of credibility. And um, I think most importantly for us is we had some really good preparation, some high quality games now recently in Russia with the Confederations Cup. So the the squad was um, you know improving constantly throughout that tournament. So um, everyone's in a in a good frame of mind and really looking forward to um, you know these next two games. And so are the fans. Um, there's a large contingent going across to Tokyo. It's a favourite destination of the fan groups, um, and everyone's looking forward to it. But we do have some injury concerns, and none greater than our skipper. Uh, Mila Yedinak. Um, mm-hmm. Are you able to uh, shed some light on how he's progressing? Yeah, well, look, that's probably one for the medical staff to, to really give a full analysis. But Mila's, um, you know, close to, to coming back into training with his side. But the, the one thing you know about Mila, he's just, uh, you know, so experienced, but also a great professional as well. So you can, you know, rely on his uh word to tell you exactly how he's feeling as well and you back it up with the data that you receive but um, you know Mila's been around for a long time and he knows what's best not only for himself but for the Socceroos as well so um, you know still got a, a lot of time you know, up our, up our sleeve with, with him um, when you look at the, the match day so um, you know I think that's one that Ange will have a look at you know 
over the coming days and, and discuss it with Neil and the medical staff. But, you know, with him being, uh, you know, in the squad of 30, that's, you know, very encouraging signs for everyone. And then, Tay, the bulk of the squad, obviously no surprise, having come through the Confederations Cup. Just how important was that hit out in Russia uh, to, to bond the squad and, uh, and bring them together and, uh, and you know, get some uh, combinations going? Yeah, exactly said it there. It's... Um, a lot, a lot of different factors, you know, with the players, you know, training together and, and playing games, but they're high-quality games. You know, they're, they're really good, you know, opposition, and that's what we need. We need, need tough games, um, you know, have the group together, travelling together, playing in some fantastic stadiums, but also, you know, being in Russia, it gives the players a taste. You know, that's where they want to be in 12-month time, and then mm. you... You also create competition for places as well, which is very important as well. But um, I think you saw as the tournament went on that we grew and, uh, you know, the improvement that we made, you know, none more so than that last game there with Chile where we really, you know, played our brand of football yeah. and, um, you know, we were quite pleased with the way that went. And it was a good month for us as well because we started off well with the... Uh, with the victory against Saudi Arabia, you know, um, got a lot of match minutes and some game time into the boys with the Brazil game as well at the MCG. So that was a great month for us. But, you know, not only for the Socceroos, but they're the kind of uh, games and, and you know, tournaments in, in a different way that all our junior and young national teams play to improve as a footballing nation. We need high-quality games, but so do the kids. So starting off with the Joeys to the young soccerers to the older roos, being involved in these tournaments and exposed to, to high-quality games from different formations, different cultures, um, you know, different playing styles. That's where we grow as a football nation. So, you know, going back to the Confederations Cup, that was a great one for our boys. Yeah, absolutely it was. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Socceroos assistant coach Ante Milicic live from Croatia about the upcoming qualifiers against Japan and then Thailand. So Ante, um, I'm going to ask you this question. I don't know what to expect as an answer, but uh, mate, <laughs> is it going to be an attacking style against Japan? Are we expecting full-on attack? Are we expecting a more pensive approach? Uh, what can you tell us about uh, yours and Angie's uh, plans? I was going to say, what, what do you think if you've been following us? <laughs> have, you, have you ever seen us back and try to defend no. and see what happens and limit the mm. opposition mm. to chances and yeah. then hit them on the counter? Boys, let's be honest. We've played some um, powerful nations, um, you know, uh, over the years, and and that's not our way. And and, sure and you know, we believe in in our playing style. We believe yeah. in our players. We're as good as anyone going forward as well. And I think that's the best way to defend is playing the opposition path, uh, park. You know, in the opposition half. Yeah. Uh, you know, really press the opponent. We've got to the shut that crowd down. So the, the uh, basically, the, the answer is, Rob, uh, pin the ears back and the, yeah, pre- and, I'll, and I'll the press is on. For half an hour, but you know what? <laughs> you, you, yeah. Look, we, 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 whoever the opponent is, let's, let's put it simple, whoever the opponent is and whoever um, we play and wherever we play, we go there to win. Yeah, that's you know, exactly and, what we um, want to do, mate. I think mate. That's, that's, that's what our players, you know, mm. want, to, want to play. That's how they And we'll know this Saudi-UAE result as well, so that'll be handy to just have that in the background. Yeah, that, I mean, that's always handy to, to know. But again, you know, like we said, we, we've put ourselves in a situation where, yeah, that, that's, um, you know, if, if results go your, your, your way, that's all good and well, but we are still in a position where we win both uh, games we're there, mm. and um, but we want to get there our way, and then that's why that that attacking way, that's mm. our way. We believe that's the best way to go forward, and uh, you know we'll be looking to to 
you know, produce that in the next two games. Um, just a couple of names that stood out to me in the uh, the announcement of the squad. Uh, what's the, really the headline has been about uh, Matty German getting a getting a, an inclusion in at least the 30. Uh, whether he makes the the cutback, it'll be interesting. But obviously, mm-hmm. reward for his mm-hmm. forming career, and obviously a a name that we're all very familiar with, but has not been in uh, recent squads very often, is Matthew Speranovic. So um, those two players mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. stood out to me in the squad and. Um, it'll be interesting to see um, from a fan's perspective whether they make the cut. Yeah, I mean, you know, Spira has been there before. Obviously, he had that injury yeah. in the Thailand game in November last year, where it came off. But uh, you know, he's forming. Um, you know, last couple of months in the uh, Chinese uh, second division, uh, he's been quite uh, steady. You know, he's been playing. Uh, Week in, week out, um, he hasn't had any injury concerns. But he's back to uh, you know full fitness. And the thing is, with Spiro, uh, you know he knows what's uh, required at that level as well. So he's been there. But um, you know, Matty German's an, an interesting one because it's not only his form now in Korea, but also the season he's had previous to that in uh, at Sydney FC has been quite good. And he, he's he also becomes. Um, you know, a, a good option, left footer, left central defender, um, you know, especially with the three at the back as well. Uh, you know, there's a lot of versatility in his play. He's aggressive and he's used to the um, the Asian style of football now, you could say, as well. So that's um, an interesting one for Ange to have a good closer look at um, over the weekend before he selects his final squad. And obviously, um, for Australian fans who uh, love the Premier League, and, and a lot of us do, it was an uh, awesome start to uh, the season for Aaron Moy and, and his club, Huddersfield Town. And, and Matt Ryan um, had his work cut out, but a good start. And obviously, um, just because of the profile of the Premier League, I know there's a lot of leagues in Europe that are that are very exciting for our players, but it's fantastic to have Australians on a regular basis uh, playing the trade in the Premier League. It is, and, and you, 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 you're spot on there because um, you know in Australia we've we've been brought up with the with the English Premier League. You know, in, in Europe it's a little bit more spread out with um, with the distribution on television, uh, television, and uh, you know in the in the papers with the with the Spanish, Italian, and, and French and German getting a, a lot more oxygen, you could say. But um, it, it's great for us as a squad to have these players um, you know, in the Premier League, but playing as well, and that's something that we. We probably had a lot more of if you go back, uh, you know, to the the golden generation, as they say, in 2006, and, and the years gone by. But to see two players that actually deserve to be there, and they're actually starting as well, and it's good, and they're and they're doing well. So, um, you know, full credit. They've really worked hard. They've gone different ways about their path to the Premier League, but um, you know, it's a great story for any young, um, you know, Australian footballers out there to to sort of go back a little bit deeper and, and see the way that they got to where they are and, and the beauty about those boys, they're still uh, young and, and they're still hungry, they want to learn, they want to improve and, and they want to be in, in those kind of leagues for a lot more um, years to come. Yeah, Dad said it is well said, Ante, and uh, hopefully to, to use your words, we're on the dawn of a, another golden generation, and um, and if we can get those results mm-hmm. against Japan and Thailand, that'll uh, set us well and truly on that journey. Mate, you've been uh, great tonight, uh, Ante. We're really uh, grateful. We can sense the uh, enthusiasm and the excitement in your voice uh, uh, about uh, the prospect of what's to come, mate. So uh, needless to say, you know you've got the entire nation behind you, and uh, and we're looking forward to, to watching the boys and, um, and hopefully uh, getting the result. Yeah, magic. Um, the boys give the best, same with the staff and the, and the supporters and the whole country together. And um, mm-hmm. I think it's you know, a very exciting couple of games coming up for everyone as a, as a football nation.
Brilliant, Anto. Anto Milicic, assistant coach of the Socceroos. Good luck. We'll talk to you again real soon, mate. After the break, stick around because we're getting back to the domestic league with Ben Garuccio from Adelaide United. They've got Melbourne victory in the FFA Cup round of 16 coming up next week. We're going to have a chat to Ben next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming on the World Wide Web, and of course our podcast on box2boxnts.com.au. Now, Adelaide United, two years ago they were premiers. Last year they had a season they would prefer to forget. This year, with about 10 weeks to go before the A-League kicks off, they're doing well in the FFA Cup and they've got a blockbuster next week against Melbourne Victory. And to talk us through that game, preview it, of course, is uh, Adelaide United's own Ben Garuccio. Welcome to the show, mate. Thank you very much, guys. So, Ben, uh, before we get into the uh, FFA Cup, uh, you know, you came from Melbourne City before you uh, you uh, signed up with Adelaide and uh, you, uh, you've had the, the highs and, and the lows, mate, um, in your career so far. Um, what's the, the, the feeling like in the camp um, bouncing back from a, you know, a real season of disappointment last year? Yeah, it's been really positive so far. Um, obviously, coming off the poor season last year, I think it was time for a change with the club and obviously... Um, the new coach was appointed and Marco's been really good for all of us so far and there's uh, also a lot of new faces around the club. So, yeah, it's an exciting time at the moment and obviously uh, everyone's really positive going into the new season and we've had a few good results in pre-season so far. So hopefully the FA Cup next week won't be our last game in the, in the Cup this year. Ben, how's the after your surgery? Uh, well, it was way back in May it was, but uh, no problems? Everything going going nicely? Yeah, yeah, it's been really good so far. Um, I was really happy with the surgery and the recovery process went um, basically all to plan. Um, so I was yeah, really happy with that and I'm back uh, playing now. So I've played two games now. So yeah, it's been really good. Just um, looking forward to hopefully an injury-free season. I think that's the key, isn't it? But just for listeners right around Australia, just tell us uh, the, the problem you had with your, with your ankle and what sort of surgery you had. Yeah, so I actually ruptured my syndesmosis uh, in my ankle, which is one of the main ligaments in the ankle. So, yeah, it was pretty rough, um, completely ruptured it. So I needed an operation that actually they put pins in my ankle and then there was two uh, tight ropes going around uh, my leg to sort of keep the bones together and stabilise the syndesmosis. So, yeah, it was quite a big sort of operation. Uh, it took about three months to, to heal, but now I'm back and very happy. Now, that's the reason I asked you, because the syndemosis uh, injury is quite a nasty one. And um, is it a, um, can, you, can you pin the, pin the moment that you did the injury, or is it like a, an injury that, that, that sort of gets worse as time goes on? No, it was uh, definitely an impact injury. So yeah. I went in for a training, um, sort of went over my ankle, and I knew straight away that something wasn't right. Um, the pain wasn't as bad. I've actually done it before. Yeah. The pain wasn't as bad this time, but that's because I completely ruptured it this time. So the ligament was completely torn in half. So I couldn't actually feel that anything was wrong because it just wasn't there at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, we wish you well. I mean, it's a, it's a nasty injury to get over, and um, we're very excited for you that you're back on the pitch. You must be buzzing just to play again after uh, an injury and a surgery like that. Yeah, of course. I think the first game that I came back for was a friendly against just one of the MPL sides and, yeah, played longer than I was expecting, um, but I wasn't complaining. And then, obviously, with the FFA Cup game, I thought it was sort of going to be touch and go. 
Um, but I got chucked in for 90. So, yeah, no, nah, I couldn't really be happier at the moment. I'm just buzzing to be back out there playing football and, yeah, starting games and, and getting through full games is always good for pre-season. That's great to hear, mate. And uh, feeling confident um, on your feet after a big injury and rehab like that um, is key. And the only way you can feel confident, obviously, is to get out there on the pitch and play the game. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talks. What we're talking to Adelaide United's Ben Garuccio. Now, the FFA Cup, mate, um, Adelaide United have a reasonable track record in that competition, um, but victory at home, um, and um, well, not at home, but uh, at, a, at a, an Adelaide stadium. What's the, the forecast there with, um, you know, um, Marco Kurtz, he's, a, as you say, the new coach. Um, you've got some new signings there the, uh, this week. Uh, we talked about earlier on in the show, uh, Karim Matmore, the French-Algerian, signed as the fourth international on the roster and uh, and some other you know relatively big names in the squad what what's uh, what what do you see of uh, of some of these new guys and, and the talent they bring to the table yeah uh, really good really positive signings obviously you know you look at someone like Erson Gullum who's played at the absolute top level um, coming in for us at the back you know great replacement for Dylan McGowan in my opinion mm-hmm. you know, he's playing left center back um, next man yeah everything he said to me so far is just given me, you know, loads of confidence and he's just such a positive guy. So it's just important for us to get those signings. Obviously losing a few foreigners and a few experienced players, it's it's imperative that you replace them um, with some of the same. So, yeah, I think we've not just done that, but we've also brought in some uh, even better quality players. Obviously, Karim, uh, 300 games in the Bundesliga. You don't mm. do that if you're if you're a two-bob watch. No. Uh, and it's as simple as that. It's one of the best leagues in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, with Ersan Gulam uh, being an Australian-born um, Turkish player, um, he's not on the, the list of, of internationals. So you, you, you're pretty much getting a, an extra one for free, which is which is good for Adelaide. Yeah, exactly right. And so, mate, this game uh, against uh, Victory—it's uh, you know—it is the FFA Cup, and we're still weeks out, so your season won't be judged by that result. But uh, but obviously, playing a team like Victory, who smashed Raw in the the last fixture, um, you know, they're up and about already. Uh, it, it must be an exciting prospect. Uh, looking forward to that one next week. Yeah, of course, 100%. Games against Victory are always big ones. Um, so it wouldn't matter if it was a cup game, a friendly or an A-League match. It's always a big match when you come up against Victory. So, But no, the coaches um, made it clear to us that you know we respect them, but we're not scared of them. Uh, we don't care about the result last week. Obviously, we won as well against A-League opposition. So we should go in with full confidence. And we're playing at home. Uh, we're playing in Adelaide. They have to come here. So, yeah, we're not going to let it be an easy game for them. Ben, uh, last year, Adelaide uh, obviously come under a lot of criticism. Um, uh, in the off-season, they didn't recruit well, and then they had the, you know, we, we went through the whole season um, expecting the coach to leave, and when he did leave, everybody was really interested to see uh, who would replace him. And tell us about Marco Kurtz. Um, what can you tell us about his uh, approach in the pre-season, and um, how have you found him in, in, in comparison to uh, your time at City? What sort of, what sort of coaching structures he put in place? Yeah, he's been really good so far. Um, sort of your stereotypical German coach, if you can say it, that you know he's really big on discipline. Um, you know, we want to play a good a good brand of football where we're playing out from the back. Um, but no, he's just been he's been really good. You know, we've been training a lot, um, a lot more than we were last year. Anyway, um, he's brought in you know that we're doing double sessions a few times a week. Um, so, yeah, our fitness is really good. Um, he's really big on structure and discipline, as I said. So, yeah, we've been working right into the tiny details um, and we've, we've really set up uh, well already, uh, in my opinion. You know, we're really looking at, like a compact sort of structure and we're working a lot on our defensive duties. So, 
I think, um, you know, as you saw in some games last year where we just got picked to pieces um, by some teams, you know, I think we're going to be a really strong unit this year. And I think that's something that's really important in this league. And being an Adelaide boy, mate, you know what it's like to, to play in a, a city with, with one team and the kind of pressure that's on you. Um, you know, you, you probably had a season of grace, really, after that title the, the year before, but uh, the, uh, the the domestic supporters weren't um, particularly happy with the way the Reds, uh, you know, defended that title. Um, are you, you're sensing that um, that they are, you know, coming back on board with the with the new coach and uh, and some of the new players? Yeah, of course. You can't blame the fans, you know. Of course, you want your, your fans to stick by you through thick and thin, but at the end of the day, they're putting their money down and they expect to see some good performances and, and some good results. And um, we were far short of that last year a lot of times. So, yeah, I can definitely see where they're coming from. You know, I'm a fan myself of, of many sports and, you know, you want to see your team winning. Mm. Um, so I think the biggest thing for us is if we want to put bums on seats, then we have to start winning some games and, you know, repaying them the faith that they've showed us uh, throughout last year, but throughout all times as well. And Ben, you're still a young player with um, you know most of your career ahead of you, and, and you had a uh, you know a, quite a, a good uh, a junior career in the in the Australian national um, um, group, uh, the under 20s in particular. You played 17 games there. Uh, you know what sort of aspirations do you have for um, for you know the, the bigger picture and you know potential Socceroo shirts, etc. Yeah, of course. That's the main goal. You want to play for your country. Um, I've been lucky enough to do so with the under-17s and the under-20s and also been in a few camps now with the 23s uh, with Josip Gombau. But yeah, of course, my main goal is to, to play for the Socceroos. I think that's the the main goal for most young Australian players and mm-hmm. to obviously be able to do that would be something amazing. Um, but yeah, right now, obviously, just looking forward to this season um, and if anything comes after that at club level, of course, you know, you always want to play at the highest level that you possibly can. Um, yeah, but right now, it's, it's just on this season at Adelaide, I want to have a good year personally, but also as a team, and especially bouncing back from last year. And whatever, you just settled back into Adelaide beautifully. Are you enjoying life over there? Yeah, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Uh, just all your old out. mates have come around and uh, they expect you know, they expect you've got all the big money now. And, just, and the free tickets. And the free tickets. Yeah, well, I've just bought a house. So once I move into that, we'll <laughs> see uh, how many of them are coming around that never used to come around before. <laughs> so, nah, nah, it's been really good. Um, just to be back with some old friends and obviously my family. Um, that's something I missed a lot when I was over in Melbourne. So, no, nah, it's just nice to have that extra bit of support. And, you know, it's not always football 24-7. Sure, you know, you can yeah. go home and... Mm. and relax to your family and your mates who don't ask you about football and you can just, you know, really be yourself and you can just get away from the game a little bit, which I think that's important at times. Well, we've loved talking to you. It's great to, uh, it's really good to see you uh, and hear you up and about, uh, especially after that injury. I mean, everyone who uh, loves football and loves the A-League and, and watches the young players develop, we get very concerned when uh, when you guys get injuries. So it's just terrific that you're back. We wish you all the best, Ben. Uh, good luck uh, against Melbourne Victory and for the season ahead. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you for having me. Not at all, mate. We'll have you back again, hopefully, after a couple of wins and a, and a, a starring performance from B. Garuccio. Oh, Thank you very much. Good on you, mate. Good luck. Thank you, Ben. So stick around. Next up is Dino. We're going to go through the rest of the, uh, the games next week, in particular in the FFA Cup. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box. Now, former Notts County man, 250-game veteran of the Victorian Premier League, Box to Box's own Dean Hennessy. Hello, Rob. 
Now, Dino, before we get into it, mate, we always know, always know that uh, moving can be a bit stressful. It's exciting, but it is stressful. The oh, best it's advice. stressful, all right. Well, I've had a few jobs in football, so moving is quite uh, regular, yes. <laughs> it's extremely <laughs> stressful. But the best advice you can get when you want to move is to put everything into storage with Storage King because they are the kings of storage, moving and more, and then work out what you want to take to your new place. It'll give you time to decide what you really want to keep. Storing with Storage King is the best move you can make, so no matter whether you're moving around the corner or overseas there's a storage king nearby call 1800 storage or call storageking.com.au you want to give a big shout out to uh, to tony scallius at uh, the head office at storage king uh, he takes care of well all in, of the... in fact we were obviously talking to ante Militich just off air yeah. after our interview uh, when we went to the break and ante was saying that obviously now that he lives in uh, in croatia he's had to put everything in storage and the boys at Storage King helped him out. Absolutely. So How good's that? Tony Scalius and the boys up at the head office, Michael Tate, uh, great mates of ours on the show, great supporters of football and the world game. And uh, and you need to get to Storage King when you're looking for storage. Storageking.com.au or 1-800-STORAGE. Dino, uh, the FFA Cup, mate. Um, before we do, I know Edge was uh, uh, chatting in the break about um, some of the, the local players in that um, Socceroos squad. Yeah. And, and, you know, have they got the miles in their legs? Um... Well, it's, well it's, mate, Dino, as a coach, you, if you're Ange Postacoglu preparing for... The biggest game in his World Cup, uh, World Cup qualification campaign, Japan in Tokyo. Not a small challenge, just quietly. Um, but you're preparing for that, and you've got Tim Cahill, uh, Mark Milligan, and James Choisi playing effectively in the FFA Cup. Not an ideal preparation for those players, is it? No, it's not. And, and I think in the ideal world, Andrew would lo- love it to be totally different to what it is. But as they say in football, it is what it is, and mm-hmm. we are where we are. Uh, those cliches are always banded out by and, most managers. And, and you would expect, you know, we all understand Tim Cahill's role from this point on. He's going to be uh, not as a, a main it's prior an impact. Mover, it's going to be impact, yeah. But for Mark Milligan and James Tracy, they're players that are pretty important to the Socceroos. Well, I think I think definitely from a Millsy point of view, yeah. I think, you know, with all things equal, he would start. Because yes. um, he's, he's versatile. You know, we've seen him in game previous where he's been in midfield or he's been in that back three. Um, and to be fair, James Therese has done really well when he's been in in recent times. So he's, you know, he's actually, when he's put the uh, the shirt on, he's actually performed. Be, performed to a point where you think, hold on, you know, he can play at this so level. Will but Ange- Dino, I know I've said this on the show before, but I'll, I'll never forget the, uh, the the intake of oxygen in the, the press box at Etihad Stadium earlier this year when uh, uh, Australia played Japan and, uh, and, and Timmy came to the sideline. They... That there is a definite fear factor of our talisman. That, well, he's um, been so dominant against well, he has. them. You know, he has. I mean, he's, there was a period where every time we played Japan, he'd score. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and look, and, and I think. So we should just have I'm, him uh, running up the sideline, you know, doing a bit of a warm up, you know, the whole game, <laughs> just keep the crowd tense. Well, I think the media's response and the fans' response in Japan might be different to the the playing staff and the coaches in Japan. I think they might uh, understand. Yeah, but the, I, I, I tend to agree with you, Michael. However, <laughs> the uh, the sense of a crowd. As we all know, every coach wants the you know the away team to, to take the crowd out of, of, of play. So if uh, you know if we can get up early and then uh, Timmy comes on, you know, and the crowd starts. I mean, the Japanese crowd are famously vocal. Uh, you know, I mean, they they made they more made noise a lot of noise here. Yeah, they did. It was embarrassing, yeah, they wasn't it? I mean, the other thing with the Tim Cahill factor is is one because obviously what he's done in the game, mm. you know, and he's done it abroad, you know, with the Everton journey before, you know, after the uh, the Millwall. 
um, start. But what I think he brings is, if you see it a lot of the time, he's involved. He's always chirping on the bench. He's always keeping people involved. When they go away and warm up, he's generally leading them. Mm. It's, it's like part of the coaching staff without most probably having the title mm. of that. But And I think it's you're just going to have him around there because, one, if you do need him to get you out of jail, he might come out and do something. It was interesting talking to a couple of uh, Green and Gold Army tour guests who went to Russia. Said in that game, the third game against Chile when uh, Tim Cale obviously started, um, they were um, amazed at uh, how vocal he was with the rest of the place. In particular, he kept on with a message which was to not to take a backward step and to step up. And obviously, it was all about the press that they were course, engaging against what, Chile, which was very successful. That's what they wanted to work on. And, and Tim was, uh, and, and the feedback was that he was. Uh, you know, he was, he was all over that and he was really leading the line. No, all right. So we'll move on now to uh, more domestic uh, features uh, of coming up next week. Uh, the FFA Cup is into the last 16. So yes, it's the round of 16. Gets a bit pointy. So ben was pumped when we talked to him earlier on. Yeah, look, ben, Ben's excited about it and so they should. Um, you know, they want to, you know, again, it's pre-season form for them. But again, they want to be in a now, What position. do you know about Marden Sports Complex in Adelaide? Don't know an awful lot about Marden. Um <laughs> But look, I think as long as the surface is all right and there's two sets of goals and some officials in the middle and 11 v 11, it will be all right. Um, It'll be a good little atmosphere because it doesn't hold a lot of people. Well, obviously, Um, the game we're talking about is Adelaide United against Melbourne Victory. Um, The original derby. Yeah, and... You know, from uh, from those who uh, who aren't aware of the results, uh, obviously Victory beat Brisbane Raw five one, which we thought was quite a surprise. That was a surprise for me. Um, and Adelaide and, getting and one 0 with yeah, Jets, I, which I thought was a good result. I thought Newcastle would have uh, had a, had a better preparation, but uh, interestingly enough, and and obviously um, Ben Garuccio was absolutely spot on. Uh, Melbourne Victory have to travel; they've got to turn up on Adelaide's uh, home deck, uh, albeit to. Uh, stadium that uh, they don't play it a lot it is in their hometown and that'll be a factor in the game so uh, predictions boys what do we think here oh i can't go past melbourne victories five goals against brisbane to be too strong especially with uh, you would expect milligan uh, and teresi uh, to play a big role there and they're probably gonna have too much class aren't they? and rob you're thinking you, you you're looking at me as if you're <laughs> expecting me to tip an upset which i always do <laughs> but on this occasion i'm not going okay. to i think there's just too many players new players in the squad oh, and, that's uh, unanimous uh, yes yeah, so, we're all we're all victory so but, uh, but, uh, but i'm expecting adelaide to do a lot oh, so do i now the next game um is Morton Bay United against Gold Coast City. So a bit of a local derby of, of sorts. Yes, yes. Um, and can quick. we have no more Robbie Williams songs uh, from, this, uh, <laughs> from these mobs up in Queensland? I, I quite like that. I thought it was quite good. I knew you would, but uh, more, on, we, need, we need more of the rousing sort of uh, celebration, yeah. not the... Uh, serenading uh, the no, girl quite, type I quite liked it now for our uh, listeners just to make sure like from Morton uh, progress last uh, what would be two weeks now uh, against Broadmeadow Magic 4-2 and the Gold Coast overcame Western Knights 3-1 so they're both coming with good wins mm. and uh, again I think I might go because Gold Coast have been really really good this year uh, they look like they'll throw the league away with mm. Brisbane strikers only needing to win and if they do win, then they'll win the home and away. But I'll, I'm going to go Gold Coast. Yeah, me too. Gold Coast for me. And uh, one of these teams is going to be in the last eight, believe and, it or not. And it'll be Morton Bay United. And you'll go Morton. In extra time. There Gold we Coast. go. Right. Based on nothing other than being 
um, the bloke who likes to tip. Upwards. So the the next tie is South Melbourne Club of the Century. We're going to that game, aren't we? I think we are. Well, that year we're going to go to that game, absolutely. You know, uh, that, uh, along with uh, a lot of other people, but um, yes, against Sorrento. Sorrento FC, and it's not Sorrento from the Mornington Peninsula. It's, it's certainly it's Sorrento uh, from WA. WA. So South obviously be Edgeworth um, and edge them out. Edge them out in the very last kick of the game. And Sorrento, Sorrento, comedy writer for the show. Uh, Sorrento, <laughs> Sorrento caused really most probably an upset with Canberra Olympic in the last game being the semi-final yeah, of last year. Yeah, great run last year. Yeah, yeah. so um, so look, um, I think uh, can't go past South Melbourne. You can't, not at home. No, 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 no they're immoral. No. And so, that's a, a big opportunity for South to, to then host a blockbuster. At, at, uh, <laughs> well, this is your team, Medge, so we, uh, we'll, we'll be very calm. We've got Sydney United, which mm-hmm. obviously has uh, been a big club in, in its history. Do you know what I don't like about this game, Sydney United and Heidelberg? Artificial. It's, yeah, artificial. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, guys, quick tips because we've got to wrap it up. Oh, you're not getting uh, some opportunity to talk about the burgers. No, uh, no, I don't. Bur- burgers for me. Burgers. The, the burgers are the best. Sydney United to win. Sorry. Thanks, Dean. Stick around after the break. Ray Gat from the Australian to talk about the FIFA delegation. Dino returns with the international news and stoppage time. That's all next on Box to Box. <laughs> now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Welcome back to Box to Box, second edition news shortly. Then we'll chat to the Australians, Ray Gatt, to bring us up to date on what's happened since the FIFA delegation left the country. Dino returns with his preview of the International Week in Football and we'll wrap it up with stoppage time. What else have you got for us, Marco? Well, good news for Tommy Orr and his club, Apple, who have taken a huge stride towards the Champions League group stage, defeating Slavia Prague 2-0 in the home leg of their tie. Two goals inside the opening 10 minutes left Apple with all the aces heading into the second leg in the Czech capital. All started the match and saw out... 52 minutes. We might see as many as, I think, three Aussies in the group stage if uh, cards fall our way. In the championship, Bailey Wright completed another 90 minutes in Bristol City's thrilling two-all draw against Brentford. Trailing 2-1 deep into added time, Bobby Reid struck to earn the Robins a share of the points. You know uh, Bobby Reid, good friend of yours. Yeah, um, mm. he was the dad on Brady Bunch, wasn't he? I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, but really? Anyway, there was, there was no such luck for James Meredith. I used to hate it, to be I honest. I love it. It was on every night Here's at 5 story. o'clock on Channel 10. And nothing else to watch. Anyway, in the championship. No, done that. There was no such luck. He's quick on the draw, Nigel. There we go. All right, now piss it off, Now, there was no serious... Anyone under... 30s asking what the hell we're talking about. Now, there was no such luck for James Meredith, who was involved in an equally, if not more thrilling encounter. Millwall suffered a 4-3 defeat at home to Ipswich Town. He's left to ruin 88th-minute Jordan Spence strike. Meredith started, but it was, was withdrawn on 74 minutes in an attacking switch. So good to see he's getting some game time there. Now, some A-League friendly news uh, from out the week uh, for you lads. Mitch Austin and Melbourne Victory's Young Brigade were at the centre of the action as they swept aside Oakley Cannon's five goals to two on Wednesday night. The wing netted two goals in the first six and a half minutes before the kids took over at the interval. Jai Ingham struck on 69 minutes, succeeded by goals from Pierce Waring and Nick Setti. I hope I'm saying that correctly, Nick. In the West, Perth Glory earned a 1-0 win over Joondalup United at Percy Doyle Reserve. That's a very old Percy Doyle Reserve. Glory struck <laughs> the only goal of the game shortly after the interval off the boot of Adam Taggart, who was teamed, teed up by attacker Joel Chianese. 
So good win there for the glory. Any worries for Perth as a result of their poor FFA Cup performance and uh, and uh, what they're doing in terms of assembling their squad? What do you, what do you reckon, Marco? No, nah, not at this stage. No, I mean you made the you, final you, of the FFA Cup last year. Let's this this is the problem. The FFA Cup, as much as we love it, for the A League clubs, and none of them want to lose their games, but it's a it's a preseason comp for them essentially. So, yeah, they would like to win, and they don't want to lose in those circumstances to a state league, lowly state league opposition. Notice Peter Philopolis during the week tweeted that there's a big announcement coming. Uh, I wonder who that will be with a marquee play, obviously. Now, Ursum Gullum, who's a man uh, we'll be talking about tonight with uh, Benny Garuccio, we've talked to tonight with Benny Garuccio. Johan Absa Olonson and Baba Diawara all started for Adelaide United, but they were unable to find a way to defeat Campbelltown City. The match ended one all with a Senegalese striker finding the back of the net. And then earlier on Wednesday, as we wrap this up, Melbourne City defeated Central Coast in a thrilling behind closed doors match. Three goals to two at the City Football Academy. They are in those doors at that place, are they? So I'm not sure how it was closed doors. But um, Andrew Hull, it's a brilliant facility, but it's, you know, if you're at the union, you want to go have a kick. It's there. It's open, isn't it? Anyway, earlier, so Andrew Hull hit a brace for the yellow and navy, but it was cancelled out by goals from Daniel Azani, Bruno Fornaroli, and Nick Fitzgerald. Of the Mariners' new recruits, Ben Kennedy, Josh Rose, Anthony Golick, Alan Barrow, Tom Hyer. Oh, my God. Sorry. Do we know his name? Hello, hello, me. I have to get a pronunciation done on that. Yeah, and which is that one? That's, we'll give, let's well, you, can you have a crack at it for me? It's no, usually higher, pretty good. Higher, higher, Ray? Yeah, Tommy. Tommy H. Anyway, Danny De Silva, Vout Brahma, Tom Glover and Kai Rouse started on the bench. And on Tuesday, finally, in fact, there was one more, um, Newcastle thrashed uh, football mid-North Coast, a select team, seven goals still in Port Macquarie. What's amazing with this? Over 4,000 fans watched... Good sign, uh, that. Yeah, as Devontae Klut uh, scored a pair and the Jets' comfortable win. And cheerio to uh, Benny O'Neill, the Jets' media manager, who's making his way to the FFA, we see today. Yeah, it's been great for Benny, who's um, uh, been a long, uh, served a long apprenticeship to get there, but good on him, and we wish him well. Bailed me up at Rhapsody's in uh, South Africa. He did. When I was at Soccer International as the editor, and he bailed me up in the corner after a few beers, had a bit of Dutch courage, and said, I've, I've sent you a few emails, mate. And I said, yeah, OK, I get a lot of emails. He goes, well, you know, how about you... Publish some of my stuff, mate. And, and okay, fair enough. Good point. So there we go. So Benny got published after that. He's Thank kicked God. on and you well, I was going to say, well, I, I hope you published him now that we need him. Mate, paid him well too. We paid, we paid very well at Soccer International, let me tell you. Uh, now, this is a, I like this one. Sydney United have announced former soccer Jason Kalina will take the reins as the club's head coach. Kalina, who's 37, will return to the club where he spent four seasons as a player between 1994 and and 1998, United's recently departed coach is former Sydney FC captain and current Fox Sports pundit Mark Rudan. United, of course, are to compete in the FFA Cup round of 16 next week against Heidelberg United at a denser park. Go United. Absolutely. But uh, that's his home club. And his dad mm-hmm. had a, uh, a great association with that club too. So, oh, If he uh, coaches half as well as his dad, he'll go okay. Yeah, exactly. And, Franco uh, was a good coach. Yeah, it's, it's, I think that's a great story. And it makes sense. What happened to Mark? What's the story there with Mark Rudin? I mean, uh, I'd love to know the reason for him leaving. I'm not quite sure. I chatted to him last week and... Um, he was actually he's gone off to do something at PSG, like some sort of training program over in Paris. Um, so I don't know if it's just professional development for him because he's obviously got still A League aspirations as well. So maybe it was just a bit of personal development, you know, coaching in the NPL. Sometimes you can get a little bit stale. So to go away, go overseas. So um, I, I've no idea how long that course is, whether it's a two day course or a two month course. But uh, 
Anyway, we'll have to speak to Mark in coming weeks and months and find out exactly what the story is there. But Jason, you know, son of a coach, you always got that sort of coaching DNA in you, correct, boys? You would yes. think so. Yes. Branko was... Uh, Especially as a former pro- he was good professional player. Yes. Now, club managers often like to get their business done prior to the season, and that could be the case for all English clubs heading into the 2018-19 campaign. According to UK publication The Telegraph, Premier League officials want to bring forward the transfer deadline prior to the beginning of the season. Their report claims when club shareholders attend a meeting next month, league officials are expecting over two-thirds of clubs to approve the changes, while Watford is one of the clubs expected to reject it. Under the proposed changes, clubs would still be able to sell players to foreign clubs following the English deadline. This would uh, be a kind of quantum change to the way they do business, particularly in the early going. Well, I'd just like to see the um, the agents have less influence. I mean, no matter what, you know, whatever they do, they, they need to, to get their control back into the clubs somehow or other and... Uh, you know, and, and and stop the, you know, the control that the agents seem to just to flex their muscle on every single time there's any transfer window. No, exactly right. Now, this is a weird one, I think, um, although the youngsters won't think so. Melbourne City CEO Scott Munn says part of the club's move to sign the A-League's first ever eSports player mm. is set to appeal, of course, to a younger audience. City announced they'd signed eSports gamer Marcus Gomes among the top 50 FIFA players in the world. It could be. Um, To represent the club at global interactive tournaments, the 20-year-old Gomes' first assignment in City Colours will be to play for the club at the Interactive World Cup Grand Final in London. Actually, in a couple of days. In fact, it's kicking off today. It got a lot of publicity, didn't it? It did. Was it, it did. And it, as much of a curiosity well, value? Probably all four of us in this room probably going, well, what the hell is that? But, mm. mate, I can tell you, it's, it's big. It's, mm. yeah, it's big yeah. amongst oh, the Oh, you kids. just have to do a search and you'll see that the crowds that watch the, the game is... Yeah. No, it's, oh, it's, uh, there's it's some serious coin in, in that caper. Serious mm. coin. So, obviously, um, City Football Group and Melbourne City in particular wanted to get amongst that. So Well, his dad, Larry, will be very proud. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, Larry Gomes was a... Yeah. Uh, a, a rather dour West Indian batsman of the 1980s. Was he during... one with a big mo? Uh, He's one yeah, he never wore no, a helmet. Yeah, no, he had a mo, but uh, he it, he big... was in the days where Viv Richards and Clive Royd and uh, you know uh, Desmond Haynes and Gordon Greenwich were just flogging the ball, and Larry was just sort of nudging it back up the deck. I seem to recall him playing a hook shot and copping a ball right in the bonce, and he never wore a helmet. Hmm. I think we're talking about the same bloke. Anyway, um, Ben Gucci was, of course, on the show earlier. His uh, gaffer, Marco Kurz, has all but confirmed Adelaide United are tracking um, another foreigner to close out their five-player visa quota. Adelaide announced the signing of French Algerian, as we've touched on before. Hmm. Um, Karim Matmore on Tuesday, the fourth international on their roster. Um, he's joined Baba Diawara, uh, Johan Absalonson and Isaias as the club's other internationals. And as we touched on again with Ben, mm. Australian-born Turkey midfielder Ersam Gulam is not included because mm. he's, he's yeah, basically sure. a Melbourne boy. I can't wait to see uh, that quartet, quartet of internationals uh, get fired up and uh, playing because uh, that could just be the the thing that gets uh, Adelaide up the ladder. All right, before we finish um, this news segment, there's a little story down the bottom of that page of yours that uh, I'm interested in uh, in finding out um, oh. your opinion on... I was going to leave that for stoppage time. Yeah, yeah. George Colin Burris. All yeah. right, okay. Yeah, let's leave well, that one. Just stand by for stoppage time and we'll talk okay. about that. All right. 
Well, give us one more. One more, mate. okay. Well, Matty Leckie's uh, I was going to say, good, good news. Yeah. So, Socceroo Matthew Leckie made his Hertha Berlin debut midweek and claimed both assists in a 2-0 win over Hansa Rostock in the German DFB Pokal, so their, their FA Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leckie's Hertha side uh, opened their Bundesliga campaign on Saturday against Mitch Langerak's newly promoted VFB Stuttgart. And uh, the Australian's position at Stuttgart as, as the number one is in jeopardy. I don't agree with this, actually. Following the acquisition of German international goalkeeper Ron Robert Ziller, who played in the DFB Pokal win over Energy Kutbus on Saturday. Langerick played every minute of Stuttgart's successful Bundesliga 2 campaign last season. When he wasn't getting a gig, he'd, these are the gigs he'd always get a gig, gig in. So I think if you're getting the starting spot in the last preseason game, I don't think it necessarily means you've got the starting spot the next week. So let's watch this space. Unfortunately, what we won't be able to do... Actually, no, ignore that totally. Let's say something completely wrong. That's fine. <laughs> Over to you, Rob. Good on you, buddy. All right, well, um, we're going to wind you up for uh, your observations on George Columbaris. I, I want everyone's for that matter. But, yeah, exactly, hmm. in stoppage time. But uh, I'll tell you a bloke who's going to fire up is uh, Ray Gatt. He uh, has been very forthright in his opinions on the FIFA delegation, and he's coming up next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And storage key. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming on the World Wide Web. And, of course, our podcast on box2boxnts.com.au. Now, last week you would have thought the world had gone to hell in a handbasket in Australian football with the FIFA delegation, uh, the, uh, the bosses at, uh, at F- the FFA, the clubs, everyone just blueing. And uh, the bloke who was keeping us up to date, one of the guys who was keeping us right on the button was Ray Gatt and uh, sharing w- with us a few forthright opinions on the way. Welcome back to the show, Gatty. G'day, Rob. G'day, Michael. Yeah, another day in the life of Australian soccer, guys. It just uh, never ceases, ceases to amaze. The first question, Gaddy, is uh, there was a, just can you confirm a rumour for me? Uh, were you on stakeout? Were you, were you uh, like that movie um, down in the down in the lobby re- receiving food from uh, Frank uh, from uh, Stephen Lowy, or, Stephen Lowy? Or, or maybe sneaking into the uh, one of the meeting rooms and uh, hiding under the table? No, no, we didn't resort to that, but certainly we were down in, down in the uh, lobby of um, in uh, near College Street anyway uh, with a couple of other journos. We were sitting there in the lounges. We occupied the lounges there and obviously stoked ourselves up with a bit of coffee and whatever and, and uh, <laughs> just watched the, watch the events unfurl, which <laughs> crazy events they were as well. Well, so did you see little groups of people uh, getting together and chatting away and all that sort of stuff? No, we saw groups of people coming out of out of the lifts, walking out of the building, going to various other places to have their little meetings, and yeah. then then they would walk back in, and then uh, yeah, we we would talk to them on the way out, talk to the way, on the way in, and uh, it was all quite jovial with the uh, with the uh, the club guys, but uh, yeah, certainly we saw no side of um, anyone from the FFA. And and Ray, I mean, just give us your you know, 60-second observation on the, on the whole week as it was. I mean, I, in, in this studio, many of our listeners, football people, have read your articles and followed you on Twitter, and, and they generally know. But, but tell us, you know, from the heart, what, what you thought of the whole thing. Oh, look, by the Australian soccer standards is just, yeah, just, just crazy, to be honest, um, how those guys just get together, lock themselves in a room and, and come up with some decision. I, I don't know. Um, Typically, uh, of our game, self-interest, egos, whatever you like to call it, has got in the way of um, you know, making the right decision for the for the sport in general. And um, look, it was embarrassing. It wasn't a good look. And heaven knows what the FIFA delegation thought about it. All they would have been 
absolutely amazed. Well, I actually, I, I understand they were shaking their heads in disbelief at the goings-on of, uh, you know, those couple of days. And, uh, yeah, not a good look for our game, unfortunately. And something were, we've been used to. And, and there were two occasions where we're led to believe from your articles and a couple of other journos that, that there were deals nutted out um, on the sidelines, so to speak, and that Stephen Lowy came in and crunched them. We talked to John Stensholt last week, and you know his observation was that you know well he did what you would expect him to do to, to crush those deals because he wasn't involved, and you know it was like a, effectively the you know the, the the turkey voting for Christmas. But but the outcome is going to be yeah. the same, isn't it? Yeah. Well, look, we. We spent one whole long day there one day and, um, you know, we, we were told, look, it's done, the deal's done, everything's fantastic, you know, we'll, we'll have a resolution. Next morning the phones are running hot. No, it's uh, been scuppered. Uh, Stephen Lowy's got involved. Uh, more meetings today. We attended the stakeout again the following day and um, <laughs> after about three or four hours I came back, the, the clubs and the... Um, and the federations, they walked out the building, and they all came back about oh, two hours later, all hand-in-hand, hand, all smiling. And we spoke to one of the club delegates, and they said, yeah, look, I think we've got it done again this time. So, yeah, all sweet. And then um, another three hours later, more glum looks as uh, the um, club delegates started to file out. And, and for a second time, uh, Stephen Lowe had got involved, and for a second time, the deal was scuppered. And uh, that's where we are at the moment, unfortunately. So what happens from this point, Ray? I mean, uh, will there be more meetings between uh, the club representatives and the FFA? Uh, are we? Uh, are they just, uh, you know, at, yeah. at ten paces waiting for the FIFA to bring in the normalisation committee? Well, uh, look, yeah, look, there needs to be more meetings. This needs to be resolved before FIFA steps in. Um, I know that the FIFA delegation have gone back, uh, gone back to Zurich, and they've, they've filed, filed their reports or whatever. Now it's up to the big wigs at FIFA to decide what the next move is. Um, they'll take a little while considering all the options of what happened last week. But uh, in the meantime, I would hope, I would sincerely hope, that um, the clubs, the state federations, the PFA, the other interest groups, and and FFA can get together and. Um, and come up with a suitable solution whereby we don't need FIFA to intervene because that would be an embarrassing and a terrible look for our game. So to that, for, the, for that to happen, for that uh, deal to be reached uh, before a FIFA intervention of the Normalisation Committee, it appears that Stephen Lowy and Greg Griffin need to uh, find a way to work with with each other. I understand yeah, um, yeah. The, the relationship between these two, those two men has completely broken down. It has, it has, and you probably hit the nail on the head. Greg Griffin, uh, the Adelaide chairman and part owner, uh, and and the head of the uh, the clubs, uh, needs to probably sit in a room with, or be locked in a room with Stephen Lowy, just the two of them together, and um, not be allowed out until they come up with uh, an agreement. And you know, if it takes ten hours, twenty-four hours, forty-eight hours, you know, someone should stand guard and say, no, you're not getting out of there until you've made, you've come up with a solution. But uh, yeah, look, let's hope that the relationship is not beyond repair and that uh, there's some uh, common sense uh, prevails. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to the Australians, Ray Gatt, about the FIFA delegation and the uh, backwash of, of 
a week of craziness, if that's a word, in Australian football last week. So, you know, just talking about Greg Griffin and, and Stephen Lowy and, and how those two, um, you know, influential individuals in this whole conversation get back together. Um, just referencing something else you'd said, I mean... Is it not the case, though, that if Australia can work out a peace deal before the deadline in November that FIFA don't step in? I mean, whilst the delegates have gone back and they've made their recommendations, if we can find a, a way to, to, to get a rapprochement on this, that uh, that FIFA don't have to step in, Ray? Yeah, look, if the parties all got together and came up with the solution, it would still have to um, go through FIFA. And if they still didn't think it was a, an ideal solution, then they can still... Excuse me. Uh, step in and and, um, and make a decision themselves. You know the option for the people is that they'll put in a um, normalisation committee, and um, that committee will then be charged with um, trying to get the right solution, the right balance in in, in the FFA Congress, which is the voting arm of um, the FFA. And you know, look, we we got to hope it doesn't get get to that. But at this stage, that's you know that's probably the favourite that people will intervene. Well, Gaddy, um, your uh, coverage has been super. There's no doubt about that. And uh, we're looking forward to see what uh, transpires. But I've got a couple of other questions for you in relation to the Socceroos uh, heading over to Japan. Um, yep. What did you think of the squad announcement? And uh, that's the first one. And uh, will Millet Yedinak make it? Yeah, look, that's yeah, good, good questions. Um, decent squad, I think, um, not, not unexpected, apart from the selection of... Uh, Matty German is playing in Korea and doing very well, and um, he's a defender. And um, you can see where uh, Ange Postecoglou, the Socceroos coach, is going here, going in within that sort of uh, selection. Um, the Socceroos defence has been a little bit shaky, and there are concerns about a couple of players who haven't been playing, especially Trent uh, Sainsbury, who uh, is back in China, but apparently he's got an injury. Um, so Matty German could be a real good chance of um, getting getting in, into the squad. Uh, as for Milo Jednak, uh, reportedly he's um, back in training, has been out for a long time. Um, I think Ange would like to see him get at least a game or two under his belt before uh, that first qualifier against Japan at the end of the month. Um, yeah, Milo is an important part and integral part of that Socceroos squad, especially for his leadership. And um, I'm sure um, uh, Ange would love to see him in that squad or in the 11 at least. And what do you think the approach in Saitama will be? By obviously, we've got the two matches to prepare for, uh, Japan in Tokyo and then obviously uh, Thailand in Melbourne. But um, do you think uh, it'll be all-out attack in, in Tokyo or will it be a more um, circumspect approach where they might, yeah. uh, might take a, a little bit more of a conservative approach? Yeah, look, it's a tough one. I think, uh, look, Ange doesn't do anything by half. Um, you have to go out there and 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 look look for the win. It's um, that's the only option. To be honest, we we can't afford to drop any more points. In all honesty, even even though we've got you know Thailand in in the in the uh, last game of the group um, four or five days later, um, we need to get a result out of that game. We need three points. In all honesty, and that and that would take a lot of the pressure off off the guys because you, you would think that um, it's three points guaranteed at home against Thailand. So. You know, a win against Japan, a win against Thailand, and you know we can we can yeah wrap wrap it all up and um, just about be guaranteed of um, of going to Russia next year. Like your predictions there, Ray. Now before we let you go, mate, uh, Monday was the farewell of uh, 
an icon of football in this country, Les Murray. Um, can you share with us your thoughts on the great man? You were very close and um, and crossed paths with each other professionally and privately on, on many occasions over the years. Yeah, I, you know, what more can you say about Les's contribution to the game? Yeah, look, I, I knew Les for a long time. You know, we didn't see eye to eye always. Um, you know, the, we, we got in a few heated uh, debates and arguments about the merits of certain players and coaches, but we both respected each other's opinions. We, we both respected that we were, you know, looking after the good of the game, and um, you know that, and that's all. That's all you wanted. And um, yeah, look, Les is going to be sa- sadly missed. And uh, yeah, but um, you know, uh, hopefully someone else will come in and you know maybe the SBS and, and step step into his big shoes. But they are big shoes to fill. Yeah, well said, Ray. And uh, mate, thanks for joining us again. Hopefully, your predictions for the Socceroos are right, mate. And uh, and hopefully we'll be talking to you about um, the FFA and FIFA and the club owners and everybody else sitting down and somehow or other pulling a rabbit out of a hat and getting this whole, um, I'm not going to use the, the, the word before, the, the word fight to describe it. We'll yeah. call it a mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it, yeah, bun well, fight maybe. Yeah, fingers crossed guys and um, yeah, hopefully sanity prevails. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk to you again soon, Ray. Thanks guys, always a pleasure. Good on you, mate. After the break, Dino, he's back, and we're going to talk about Europe and round two of the EPL. How's it going in the championship, Dino? Jeez, there's a few uh, strugglers, including our very own Jackson Irvine's team at Burton Albion. So that's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News, talk sport streaming on the World Wide Web and, of course, the podcast on Box to Box, nts.com.au. Now, Dino's back to talk the international game. But before we get into it, Dane, turmeric. It comes from the root of the curcuma longa plant. You knew that, didn't you? I did. I cook with it all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's long been used in Chinese and Indian medicine practices as an anti-inflammatory agent that may temporarily relieve the pain of arthritis and mild osteoarthritis. It also may reduce joint inflammation, swelling, thereby increasing joint mobility and movement. Turmeric is also believed to help relieve the symptoms of medically diagnosed irritable bowel syndrome. Right now, Healthy Care Turmeric is only seventeen ninety nine at Chemist Warehouse. Always read the label. Use only as directed. If symptoms Did you say persist, irritable old bloke syndrome? Correct. <laughs> See your healthcare professional. Chemist Warehouse, lowest price is guaranteed. But I'm more concerned about the, the joint mobility of, a, of an ageing uh, footballer who looked... I mean, you, you're a ball of muscle at the best of times, Dean. Well, I, mean, you're a I can tell you that my knee, my certainly left knee, because that's all I ever use. My right knee's in good nick. It's like it's never been used. But mm. my left knee took a bit of stick. And this irritable bowel is interesting because I do have some ailments in that that area so I think I might have to I thought to you were more down. like the irritable old blokes in you. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a miserable old bloke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but get into the healthy care turmeric. $17.99 at Chemist Warehouse boys so plenty going on in Europe. Um, where do you want to start? Well you mate? start at the top don't you really? For me, Premier League started. Prem. It was uh, it was the prem. it was built up to be big. Huddersfield, the, the Premiership, as they say. Yeah, no, look, it is. It's Huddersfield's got off to a flyer with our Aaron right, Moy. Right. So well done, Aaron. Um, Man United. Yes, they've, they've signed. Uh, and looking good. They gave like West Ham an absolute. Yeah. They trounced them, didn't they? Absolutely mm. trounced them. And look, I think the business they've done, the transfer business, has been good business. You know, yeah. and I'm, I'm, for me, Lukaku. 
Yeah, look, he's, he's a handful, as we know. And, and I think if he's got better players around him, he's going to get better. It's, so, only, it's only one, one game. It's one only game one game in. It's it only is. one game in, but Manchester United, Manchester City, Tottenham Hotspur and Arsenal are in the top five already. Uh, and the only one that obviously was the big shock was Chelsea. Mm. And, uh, and maybe I'd Liverpool. Say, yeah, but two two send offs. Uh, you know the um the, the way that game you know sort of uh, uh, you know played out was uh, you know against the the grain. But uh, but you know still they lost and you know defending champions. The, the second time a defending champion has lost in the 25 year history of the English Premier League. And who was the other one? Leicester the year before. It was as well. Yeah, yeah. I read that. I read yeah. there was a report in there, and there was. And, and you know was, my favourite moment, apart from Aaron Moy was Wayne Rooney scoring the winning yeah, goal great. to Everton. Yeah, fabulous. Because we really didn't yeah. talk about that last week. No, we yeah. didn't. And it, it, and it was a big transfer, even though it went on a free transfer, which is unheard of mm. in these times, isn't it? Mm. We're always talking mm. how many millions it costs. But out of the respect for what he did at Man United, being the all-time Manchester United goal scorer and mm. England top goal scorer, mm. gets a free transfer and scores on his debut. And yeah, you know what? I think he'll have a great season. If we can keep him fitting and out there. What about the response from the fans at mm. uh, Goodison? How good was it? Well, was huge? Look, he he had to go because he was going to play for one of the biggest clubs. And you, you look at the history of what he's done in the game and how many championships he's won. If he'd have stayed at Everton, he wouldn't yeah. have won them. So mm. you don't you don't regret that. But if you get an opportunity to go home and finish finish it off on your terms, I mean, he couldn't wish for most probably anything else. And he had an unbelievable offer in China. We've talked to his two uncles and said, look, but. The boy doesn't need money. He's got he's got more money than he knows what to do with. But he wants football in the areas that where he loves it, and which is at Everton. So I think it's worked out really well. And and I like what Everton are doing under Ronald Koeman. You know we talked off air uh, and a bit of transfer news today. Uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson signed, and they've been chasing him hard. And you said to me off air that you thought that was a brilliant signing, massive, and that uh, he will make a very significant impact. Well, you know we look at Iceland in the Euros. He was the big part of that getting there firstly and doing well in the tournament it was, but to be fair the whole Icelandic team did really well as a group so they mm. carried themselves well but for me Gilfie Sigurdsson's absolutely brilliant he's done it at teams who are down the bottom which is always hard mm. but still shines and, and, and I think if you look at all the people who talk about him you know the experts, the so-called experts in in English football they're all saying that this boy is an unbelievable sign and is a great bit of business and that what's worrying now for Swansea. I don't know where are they going with this. You know, it's the. I mean, the, they're going down. That's the, what they're, they're going well, with. Well, I think. I think. Yeah. I mean, that's something that we've we've discussed, we've discussed about. You know, with our predictions, and yeah. you, you're thinking, well, where where, where well, are they going to turn this around? Speaking of the Premier League, we've uh, we've invited the great man Mark Van Aken to join us in this segment. Mm-hmm. Hello, Mark. You've, and because because you have been a little absent recently, we we took the opportunity to uh, play the protest siren on this segment. Though I, I mean, <laughs> can you heads up, Rob? <laughs> I haven't really followed it, and I watched the Liverpool game. Yeah. On the weekend, and our season is already over. You present and a football I'm kind program. of done. And I know, but you know, it's ironic, isn't it? There you go. I told that's you. Not, that's not a process, sorry. That's a bloody air raid. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you hear no, that at Flemington no. too often. No, <laughs> no I, I, I look, I'll, I'll concede this on the basis that I, I will be protesting if you get anywhere near the top. So. <laughs> the protest will be upheld. Yes, there you go. So, Marky, what you got us? Uh, well, look, the thing is, I mean, we've got to pick a top six. So, for people, the, the listeners out there that aren't au fait with this, and but hopefully you will be because you listen every week, um, top six and then your bottom three, right? So, for me, it's a bit ho-hum because, I mean, you have to get this in the right order, of course, which is the trick. But otherwise, I reckon five of those six are set, are they not? 
They could be. And I've gone defeatist Liverpool and left us out. So basically, they've gone oh. the same as the rest of you. have got Spurs to win it, um, which I'm not sure they will now. That hey, that joins I, me. I, I was only one two, two hours ago. Yeah, no. Man United second, Arsenal third, Chelsea fourth, Man City fifth, then Everton. Breaks my heart to say, top six, yeah. Liverpool below that. And the bottom three? Especially with this Coutinho rubbish that's going on. Um, Palace, Stoke and Watford. Wow. Mm. Very interesting. Watford. You put Watford in there. Yeah, they're rubbish. Yeah, so for our <laughs> listeners, great year last year, what we did last week, obviously, we, we did our predictions. Um, there's still a bit more to do, um, but we, we'll do that for next week's show with regards to the uh, relegation threat in the championship. championship yeah. And then we'll be done and we'll be set. And what about this week's games in the Premiership? Well, for me, the, the the big ones, most probably, I'd like want to see how Huddersfield bounce back after their win, you know, and think, well, can they carry it on against the also newly promoted Newcastle United? And I think the Tottenham-Chelsea ones are they got, they got the advantage of playing at home for the first time in the Premier League. Exactly, so. as well. And that and that will be different for, well, not for Newcastle, because they would have been mm. there last year, but week in, week out, it'll be mm. a bit different for the others. Mm. But Tottenham-Chelsea, I think, especially with Chelsea's defeat and Tottenham... And, and Tottenham winning, and you know they haven't done a lot of business in the transfer market. I've got a feeling that something's going to happen this week, and they'll, they'll they'll bring in a couple of decent players that will go, oh okay, maybe they're on the right track, and then that might help people who like me predicting they might win it. Well, I mean, what a game for Huddersfield Town. I mean that uh, the, the whole fan base will be jumping out of their skins. They host Newcastle United, which is such a huge club. With a great tradition and history, um, and but how, what a, what an event that will be, and uh, Aaron Moy will be up and about, no doubt. Hopefully, yeah. Look, I mean, can you imagine if they get two out of two? Huh, all of a sudden, start. and it's good. Look, well, and these teams, the next Leicester. Well, Huddersfield would have mm. gone into this this uh, campaign thinking forty points. Forty. Yeah. Well, that's points, all you have to do. That's which the first is the, thing. Uh, which that's is the, the first thing yeah. you have to do. So, look, I mean, Huddersfield, Newcastle. So that's going to be interesting. And also, the other game that we haven't talked about is Manchester City, Everton, because currently yeah, I know it's, it's only game, a week. So Tuesday morning. Tuesday time. morning, our time. Man City third against. Um, a big Chelsea. game early in the season, but uh, yeah. I, I could ask a question. Yeah, that, you know, um, uh, Matt Ryan, who got his debut for Brighton and Hove, uh, the Seagulls down there. Um, what did you think of his debut? He copped two goals. Uh, what did, maybe the second one he could have could have done a bit better, better than the second. But, but I don't think about the first one. But he, he he did make some very good saves throughout the first uh, half in particular. Um, but I thought his his debut was pretty good. Yeah, no. Overall, I think he'd be happy with it. Um, but look, it's a long season. You know, you mm. can't be just judged on one game. I mean, I know. Um, Michael Theo had one particular game, and I actually saw Norwich. him during the week, and you know, just it was a disaster in game one, and he was gone, and, yeah. and that's how brutal the game is. So, yeah. anyway, um, going to the championship, um, it's been an interesting start. There are already three games in, so even when we had Jackson on our show saying they come fast and furious, they yeah. do, um, and Cardiff City atop. Um, so that experience and uh, know-how and craft. Um, <laughs> I mean, for me, get, Neil Warnock's great for the game. You know, he's, he is, he's, he's an entertainer. He's, he's, uh, he's a wily old And, and you know, look, he, he knows what he's doing. And he's done it. At, everywhere he's gone, he's done something. 
and, and whether you've you've won all the big things, but he is wherever he's gone, he's made an impression on that team and that club. And he's uh, a street fighter, isn't he? He is absolutely. And what's really surprising me, Nottingham Forest. That, I was just sitting, about to say, great, great to see a, a great old name of uh, a football uh, like you know. One minute you see Huddersfield back in there after well, all those years. I've got and, a lot of Nottingham Forest friends. Cause I was going to say, I'm you from would... Nottingham, so I've been mm. slaughtered all my life on this. Mm. But they were saying that when they played Millwall and they were quite. They were unbelievably impressed with James Meredith, or Mez as we know him. Uh, they said he was superb because a lot of them know, know of him because he was at Derby. But they said they absolutely got battered all day. He said it should have been 5-1 the other way. He said they were just hung on. Uh, but look, they, they picked up six points and then they lost during the week. So they're still in the top five. So we've got one very, you and I have one very close friend who is a big Nottingham Forest fan, Richard Rudsky. He is. Is he up and about? You had dinner with him during the week. Yeah, is he did, up and about? It's, yeah he's quite chirpy at the moment. But um, I think it can all change pretty quickly <laughs> in this league. Speaking of how it can change pretty quickly, your mob, Derby County, Three games for a win, a draw, and a loss. Yeah, look, disappointed. It was the the loss to Wolves at home. Um, I think that was on the Saturday. Uh, was disappointing because I I thought they'd done well up at Sunderland, um, and then obviously the draw in the week. But look, it's a big big game this week. This is going to be an important one for them to try and bounce back. And um, they're away from home, and it's at Bolton. And you know, I've got one of them as my prediction to go down. So if they're going to be serious about Making a push for it, you know, you know, you want to go there with the view to getting three points. Backside into gear, and, and the the teams that I cannot believe uh, this team is in, already in twenty third position, Aston Villa. Well, well. But, but you know, to be fair to Marco, he's in there. He's he's seen that damage and looking at him, still put them to go. You know, see, see, so he's he's been brave. On a stage, I am. And look, the thing that's interesting, even if you look at the games that you, it's it's Wolves second versus Cardiff first. You've got Sunderland 6th against Leeds 7th, and they've got Forest against Middlesbrough 4th. So there's some some factors there where one team wins and pushes on mm. and pushes away from people. It's the teams at the bottom, and this is where we talked about off-air about Burton Albion. They've just got to get a result. Yeah, they've, they've just got to get on the board, yeah. and when you get on the board, all of a sudden things change. Because if you go lose four in a row, then it, you're in a rut, and you're thinking, how are we going to get out of this? So the teams like that, <laughs> Villa, Millwall, Brentford, Sheffield Wednesday, Bolton, Sheffield United, and maybe Barnsley, they've got to really start thinking, well, we've got to push on from here, you know? And our, um, our favourite Burton Albion footballer, Jackson Irvine, was the villain. He yeah. was the villain. He uh, <laughs> sent off. He scored a beautiful goal just quietly. He did. He did to bring finish. it back to 1-1. But then after he got sent off, the well, did it, the floodgates open? It just opened up. <laughs> it, just, it was like shots in, wasn't it? It like, was, wasn't know? it? Yeah. So um, It was we, the villain, Rob. Have we got much time? Rob, are we yeah, travelling? I think we better start thinking about wrapping this up, Dino, because we've got a, 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 a good yarn at Stoppage Time. We've got a major news story. George oh. Columbaris to talk about, but no, not. no but Dino, you stick around and we'll, we'll, we'll keep going in stoppage time because I think um, we are starting to run a little bit out all right, all good. of time for this bit. Yeah. All right. Stoppage time. What has Mark got up his sleeve apart from George Columbaris? Find out next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Welcome back. It is stoppage time. And the fourth official signals there are six minutes left. 
Now, mate, the, uh, the news you've been holding on to all night is the biggest talking point news. in Australian football. But it is yeah. actually worth having a debate about, because I know I've been watching social, and a few people are getting their knickers in and not about this, and I guess I can actually see where they're coming from. Mm. So I'll just read the news bit, and then we'll talk. MasterChef judge George Columbaris has pleaded guilty to assaulting a teenager after the A-League Grand Final back in May in Sydney. Columbaris, who's 38, was charged... Is that right? He's only 38? Anyway, that's what it says. He was charged with common assault in May after he was seen in footage shot exclusively by the World Game, pushing a 19-year-old fan in the stands at Allianz Stadium. Uh, in the Downing Centre local court uh, on Thursday, on, in, on yesterday, or yesterday, it could even be said, his barrister, Brendan Green, entered a guilty plea on behalf of his client who was not present. Colin Burris is due to be sentenced on September 8th. The incident took place... Um, of course, after Sydney won their fiery clash against Melbourne Victory 4-2 on penalties. And why this is relevant, Colin Burris is Melbourne Victory's number one ticket holder. Mm. He was at the showpiece event with fellow Master Chef Judge Matt Preston and Chef Shannon Bennett, who also features on the Network 10 reality show. And he's basically, look, there wasn't a lot in it. That said, mm. he's a grown man. And he was copying it about because he had some problems, I believe, um, with pay, uh, underpaying staff. And, yes, yes. And so someone taunting him about that. Went up, gave him a decent old shove, didn't hit them or anything like that. I thought there was not much in it at the time. New South Wales Police, they have decided to charge him. He's, you know. So what happens if you're a man on the street and, uh, and Correct. for whatever reason, someone says something that you object to and you walk up to that person um, and just give them a big shove and there's no retaliation? Um, yeah, mm. well, you, 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 you do get arrested and charged with assault. So hmm. if, if that's the case to the member of the general public, then uh, then he's got a cop at sweep. I think the bigger issue at play here is the um, the victory's policy on, on violence mm, and, correct. And, and violence in the stands because um, he's pleaded guilty, so that means he's going to be found guilty. Um, regardless of whatever uh, punishment he's meted out, can the victory uh, keep him on the books as the number one ticket holder? No. Yes, they can. Because all he needs to do is come out and say, what I did was wrong, I'm terribly sorry, move on. Is that can acceptable I, if I... you're a fan in the terraces? Uh, well, if he if he can use uh, his experience as a positive, absolutely. Michael, if I shove... Well, not that I have an A-League team. So it's, a, it's the FFA Cup Grand Final, and South Melbourne's playing Melbourne Victory, and I go and shove a Victory fan, and I... Again, get found. You've got form. Get found. <laughs> You've got I'll form. Probably do more than I shove, have, but anyway, I have seen point. you on many occasions do more than that. Anyway, moving right along, the the point is, I so think if, you're if on I video that, somewhere and, as well. And, and I get caught, and I go to court, and you I should get, have been. Guess caught. what? I get a banning order, and I can't go to the games for the next two years. Hmm. So what's different? Because George is on TV, because he owns some Savlaki shops. Dean. And again, I, for the most part, don't mind. I mean, don't, don't know him. I don't mm. mind him as a person. Only I've kind of watched the MasterChef a little bit to beat up. Look, I mean, I was there at the game, and the, the distance I could see there was some form of commotion, but you couldn't really tell who it was and who was involved. It was only after the game when it all started to spill out, and this is what had happened. Um, but you were celebrating with Sydney fans anyway. Um, Good Victorian that you are. Yeah, well, I've, you know, there was a choice. There was two clubs, and one invited him, and the other Sydney. one didn't. Yeah. So, I mean, well, <laughs> summer's on the books at the other club at the time too. We might yeah, have, and that's yeah, fine. Yeah. But, so. What do you do? <laughs> um, but yeah, look. Um, I suppose my point of view is I'm wondering why he did it. You know, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time he's ever been taunted. the pesky little kid was getting on his nerves. And I'm yeah, tipping but... he might have had a few, uh, few um, ales. Hi, I'm George Cullen Barrissey. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, at the end of the day, it is what it is. And I'm, I'm going to back it in that if, if he's pleaded guilty, then he's guilty. So, whatever the whack so is. So, he ditches him? 
I think the victory thing, I think they've got to have a stance on it. Um, but what that stance looks like, um, again, I, I can see Edge's point of view going, well, if he goes out there and publicly starts to talk about the issue in itself and the responsibility that he has as the major share, you know, what's it, the number, number one, one ticket, ticket, holder. ticket holder, that comes with responsibility for that and some education that comes out of it, then, you know, we can all go, well, okay, well, we might work towards that. But if it's just this blatant, well, I'm just going to be arrested, yeah, I'll say guilty, and then nothing happened, and I think, that's, I think they're sending, yeah, but Michael, I think they're sending the wrong if message. If an average fan did that, they'd be banned for the next 12, 24 months. So why, again, I'll ask you, why is George exempt well, and, from that? And what if it was at the AFL grand final or the NRL grand final and a big celebrity standing on the field and goes and pushes a fan? It's a big story, mate. Just because it's, it's George and it's a little love tap, uh, it's a story. You, it's, it's it's not a beat-up. He did it. Anyone yeah. else would be banned right now. Yeah. So, and it's not just a victory. FFA, if they want to set an example, I know what you're trying to say the other way. If they want to set an example, they make an example of him. And he doesn't go to the football for the next two years. Oh, I just didn't think it was a fairly minor incident. Look, you know, the AFL on the week last week, He's been Geelong, guilty of Geelong and Richmond, they had a, there was a full-on brawl in the stadium. Mm-hmm. You know, um, was George Conlaris involved? We had AFL junior finals where the, one of the clubs would chase the umpire off the ground. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. we're going to get arrested and charged. Some well, they're, 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 they're the sorts of issues that are serious. This one, there's nothing in this. No, one. It's Australia, you're you are such a company man, Edge. I mean, he just supports the, the you know, the, he just supports the man, doesn't he? You know, the, he just loves know, those sorts. Making big money, he's a big commercial. He doesn't want to get cut off at Jimmy Grant's. That's that's why. I see where he's going. He works around the corner. I know they give him double meat for the same price as a regular. <laughs> Deary me. Hey, one more. If, if we've got very little, small amount of time. We have. Yeah, yeah, we got it. I'll read it quick. Japan are feeling the heat going into their boom yeah. or bust. Now, this is Mitch Duke. I like this because Mitch Duke's playing over there mm. uh, in the J-League at the moment. He's, he's actually doing well with uh, Shimizu S-Pulse, a famous club. And he's basically saying... He's a famous club. Mm. Yeah, and uh, he's doing well. He's made 19 appearances... Sorry, he's impressed in his 19 league games so far this season. And he reckons that the Japanese are under a little bit of the kibosh from the media and the fans over so there. So Japan are desperate to ease their worries going into the final group by beating Australia. To say Mark, they are we... motivated big time would be an understatement. Mm. There we go. And yeah. he missed out on the squad, obviously, probably just. But uh, there you go, them spiting. This, this is going to be a cracker, this game, by the way. It is. This is yeah, going to be absolutely. an unbelievable yeah. game. And I can't yeah. wait. And I'm there. Thank you very much. So yeah, so um, that's two weeks' time. We'll preview your trip next week when we okay. talk because uh, you know you're going to be our mole on the ground. You're going to find some breaking news, uh, <laughs> and uh, I know there's some uh, uh, little tidbits that we're expecting you to, to uncover for us. Breaking news from the bottom of a beer bottle. Hmm. Yes. Hopefully, don't push any of those Japanese fans, mate. No, no, we, we won't want be to doing any that. of that. They, those Japanese fans are absolutely fantastic. They really they are. are. We have an amazing rivalry with Japan, but their fans are beautiful. They really are. So what's our prediction? Australia to win 3-2. Next, nah, Yeah, 2-2. Okay. All right. That's full time on Box to Box. Join us next week when we go from one end of the pitch to, to the, the other. To the other. That was sudden in the world game.